The opinions expressed in the Brothers on Law Show are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for personal professional legal advice. Thanks for tuning in to Brothers on Law on Go Country 105. I'm Larry Mandel. And I'm Rob Mandel. And we've been trial attorneys here in Los Angeles for over 40 years. On our show, we will discuss current events, talk about legal issues, and have some very entertaining guests stop by. So stay tuned every week for Brothers on Law right here on Go Country 105. All right, here we are on Brothers on Law. I'm Rob Mandel. And I'm Larry Mandel. And we're so happy to be back with all of you. Uh, Larry, I want to talk to you about something. Now, do you remember that, obviously, we grew up in a pretty nice area of L.A. and out in the San Fernando Valley. And um, But do you remember the first time you saw someone who was homeless, yeah. like living on the street? I was just driving by and I saw somebody that looked like they didn't belong there. and it, But then I realized that the person didn't really have anywhere to go. They were just aimlessly walking around. The clothes were tattered. And I thought, what is going on? Is this person just... And how old were you? I was probably in my 20s. And, That's and the what first is, time? Really? Yeah, I think oh. so. And, and what's going on with this person? Why are they just roaming around? Why are they looking like there's nowhere for them to go. And so many of these folks uh, have issues. And I think there's been things that have happened in our society now where we don't really care for them. And uh, But we are very lucky to have with us today uh, someone who specializes in uh, mental illness and has her own uh, show. And her name is Dr. Imani Walker. Yes, Welcome hi. to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And you're the star of Married to Medicine in L.A. What, what's your show all about? So Married to Medicine Los Angeles uh, is a series that there there's a, it's a spinoff of sorts. There is a Married to Medicine in Atlanta that's based out there, the original. Uh, this is a spinoff series. So basically it follows the lives of three uh, black female doctors and to actually three uh, uh, black women who are married to doctors and basically just explores like what our lives are like, what kind of um, actually like maybe patient cases we sometimes have to deal with, like just what are the ins and outs of dealing with medicine, being married to medicine as a doctor, wow. or maybe being married to medicine if you're the spouse of a doctor. Now, Dr. Walker, this show is on? Bravo. Bravo. It's on Bravo on Sundays at 9 p.m. Wow. And you have a, you're a medical doctor. I am. I'm a medical doctor. I'm a psychiatrist, um, and I specialize in forensic psychiatry. And what is that, just for our listeners? So forensic psychiatry, I mean, as most of your listeners know, psychiatry is the study of mental illnesses and mental disorders. Uh, forensic psychiatry is essentially where psychiatry and the law intersect. So that makes psychiatry a bit different than a lot of other uh, medical specialties because a lot of times when patients are very mentally ill or very sick, 
for example, if you have a heart attack, typically speaking, the law doesn't have to get involved. But if you're very mentally ill, if you're very psychotic, that can affect whether you're able to clothe yourself or have a place to live, whether a, a, there is unfortunately as too significant of a percentage of the homeless population uh, that is mentally ill. So the law has to sometimes step in to determine uh, where will this person live? Does this person need help managing his or her funds? Um, does this person also maybe need help um, maybe being forced to take medications even though they don't believe they need to take medication. Right. So that's really where I come into play. And you'll testify on behalf of the patient? I will testify in most cases on behalf of the hospital. So I work at Gateways a Mental Hospital um, in uh in Echo Park, and I'm the medical director there. So I have my patients, but I also deal with administrative um, uh, situations in the hospital. But I will go on behalf of the hospital as the treating physician, as a treating psychiatrist, to basically say, this patient's been exhibiting these symptoms. This is the picture of how they were before based upon the uh, chart that we received. This is how the patient's been since they've been here. I believe, based upon these facts, that this person probably, uh, beyond a reasonable doubt, cannot function on their own and needs a conservator to be appointed by the county, or sometimes it's a family member, to basically manage the person's funds. Uh, if the person, for example, decides to stop taking their medications, that person can say, hey, you need to go to the hospital and sign them in. In short, a conservatorship means that the person who's conserved does not have any signal authority so you can't just up and buy a car you can't you know get an apartment it's that it's very drastic but because these patients are so ill those are the type of measures that have to be taken just mm -hmm. to make sure that they don't end up doing something that could be regrettable later and, and hurt themselves Exactly. And you interview the patient then? Oh, yeah. So I interview the patients pretty much every day, see how they're doing with their medications, talk to the staff, talk to the family, just to get a, a good just snapshot of how how was this person before and how are they now? Were they ever you know, a fully functional member of society? Did they always kind of behave like what I'm seeing? And with the patients that are conserved, sometimes they were fully like I've had patients that were anesthesiologists, doctors who had wow. their own practices and just had a psychotic break or had a manic episode and just devolved and and maybe would have been like on the side of the road, like in tatters, like you described. Like I've seen you wouldn't even believe the types of patients that I've seen and they're I chose to work with this specific population because even though they are very um, complex and sometimes difficult in terms of getting the complete picture. It's very rewarding because at the end, they're always really, really grateful. And it's nice to yeah. see the the transition. So we have some good outcomes. Oh, absolutely. Good, do we have a, a story yeah. about some, somebody that started out in a very bad situation that mm -hmm. prevailed? Exactly. Went beyond Abs that? Absolutely. Can you tell us about that? Sure. It's um, I had one particular case, one particular patient, and she actually came from another state, Midwest, came out to California, didn't have any money, was going through, she was depressed and um, was hearing voices. She was depressed and psychotic at the same time. Came out here, started living on um, Skid Row, where I used to actually work as well. 
Um, she was doing okay, but then I actually ended up uh, treating her. And I would say maybe two to three years later, just with consistently taking her medications, she ended up with like two jobs. She got herself together, taking care of like her kids, taking care of, she's she's a little older uh, in her 50s, taking care of like her daughter's kids. So mm. she made really just a complete turnaround and it was a really just beautiful thing to see because I mean, Unfortunately, with the cases that I see, with the patients that I have, they may not get it on the first time. And sometimes it takes maybe, some people have been hospitalized up to 100 times. So I think there's a, a lack of understanding and, and oftentimes, unfortunately, a lack of empathy for all these folks that we see on our streets these days. Absolutely. And, and so how, you know, I, I, I bet you have some insights as to how this happens to somebody. You know, they could be perhaps a normal person uh, or, you know, functioning in society at one point and all of a sudden they cascade downward. How does this happen? A lot of times I, what I see in terms of people kind of, not kind of, but actually passing judgment on other people is because you'll be in your car you're in a comfortable situation like you got air conditioning you got leather seats you're driving around and you see somebody like oh well that person clearly did doesn't do what i do and therefore they deserve to be where they're at right. but in a lot of times especially with patients that i see that have uh, co-occurring like substance abuse issues they were just attempting to self-medicate. Right. So there's a stigma surrounding mental illness, as we all know. And a lot of times patients or people don't want to go get the help. So they're like, well, you know what? I have anxiety. I'm going to go buy some Xanax off the street. That type of medication, for example, is, can be very addictive if you take too much of it and you build up a tolerance and then you move, you know, oh, this isn't working. Let me add alcohol. Then you end up maybe with an alcohol problem. So a lot of times I haven't ever encountered someone who woke up and was like, you know what? I really want to be a heroin addict. Today. Right, right. It's, it's mostly like <laughs> I got into a car accident and you know, we're aware like you, you all are lawyers. We're aware of a lot of the. Um, a lot of the judgments that's, that have come out now against the pharmaceutical companies because they were pushing these drugs and right. they were creating situations where Prozac. doctors, right, doctors Opiates. were pushing opiates, right. Yeah. And we didn't know, the public didn't know, the doctors didn't necessarily always know how addictive those were. So you have a patient, oh, I got into a car accident. It wasn't their fault. They go to the doctor, the doctor's giving them all these opiates and then mm. after the three month mark, it's like, well, that's too much. The doctor cuts them off. Right, and, and then I, they're like, what am I supposed to do? I, I, I Do I buy Oxycontin off the street? They can try that, but then it's like, well, heroin lasts longer and it's cheaper and now you're in that type of a situation. And doc, so I had we, that, that same incident or that same circumstance where I represented, our office represented a person who wasn't homeless, became homeless, and had finished all his prescription drugs and was still in pain and then went to heroin. And it was quite devastating to deal with it. And I saw the decline. And I wish he had somebody like you to, to interact with. Have you suffered or been injured by someone else's negligence? When you need a legal team that will stand up for what is right, won't give up the fight and obtain justice, call 818-886-6600. Mandel Trial Lawyers specializes in personal injury cases of all types. Whether it's a car accident, product or premises liability, dog bite, or a catastrophic injury, Mandel Trial Lawyers are there for you when the fight is worth it. Call now for your free consultation, 818-886-6600. 
Let the scales of justice tip in your favor. Is that how uh, most of the folks we see that are mentally ill on our our streets today uh, become in that situation is from some kind of addiction or, or substance abuse? I wouldn't say most, but I would say a good 40 percent. I think mm-hmm. that with the other, let's say 50 to 60 percent, what you're really dealing with, maybe that person. I, I encounter a lot of people who they just lost their job. Maybe they didn't finish high school. Maybe they did. They Maybe they were working minimum wage and they got hurt or they had to take right. care of a family member and they were the only one who may have had the job, not the greatest job, but now they have to, they feel that they have to sacrifice a bit of themselves to help someone else, but now it becomes they have to sacrifice all of themselves. So it's an economic oh, homelessness. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah, there's, yeah. E- yeah, there's, econ- I would say economic more so than anything and then right. the rest of it has to deal with mental illness. So what do we do on a societal level to, I mean, do you have any ideas on what we can do? I mean, it's kind of a general thought. It, it is, but I mean, I've, I've thought about- The cure for homelessness, is that what you're asking uh, Dr. Imani here? I've, I've yes, thought of, I, I have thought of it a lot. <laughs> and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, I mean, we do live in probably the richest country in the world, but we- I mean, we a lot of our we have a lot of debt to China. Like we have to take a look at ourselves and understand so that true. probably we're not budgeting as a country very well. I mean, politically. Right. So there's that. Then that trickles down onto federal and state levels. Mental health funding is always the first that's cut. Like it's always yeah. cut first. And yeah. when that happens, now you have to deal with we're, we're like as a as psychiatrists, especially because I work on the administrative side, there's always a scramble to like, where's the money going to come from? Where's right. the money going to come from? And it works itself out. But why does it have to be that way? So as far as the mental health component of homelessness, we, I, I'm a firm believer. Actually, Trump said this and I couldn't believe I, I agreed with it. We really <laughs> do need to bring asylums what back. What do you know? Well, that not that one of the triggering events that uh, some of uh, the uh, scholars trace homeless back to Absolutely. is that there was a series of budget cuts in the eighties with right. Reagan. Yeah, right. right. Reagan, Reagan cut the Reagan cut the budgets for the asylums for a lot of the patients that I see. Let me back up. With for some of the patients that I see that end up being placed on a conservatorship, they're not going to work. Right. They're like they're not. They're not capable. They're not. It's not going to happen. Right. Like I wish it could happen, but then I also wish I had wings and could fly away. Like sure. it's just not going yeah. to happen. And where do they go? Okay, so they have a conservatorship. They go on where, the streets. They're back on the street. Well, a lot of times they will road. So they'll go from. I'm making this up. They'll go from being homeless to a hospital. I'll treat them. They'll be placed on conservatorship. They'll go to a long-term care facility where they can stay for, you know, anywhere from six months to maybe like three years max. Then they'll go to a boarding care, but then they may stop taking their medications at a boarding care because that's a lower level of care. So anything that's not the hospital is a lower level of care. Once you start to... put more of the responsibility into their hands 
some of these like as as many medications and as safe as I try to do it they're always going to hear voices and they get used to it but if they don't take that one particular medication for like two days they're right back to square one so asylums actually provide a safe place uh uh daily program if you will like oh it's eight o'clock we're gonna get up because just consider the patients that i see in the hospital we have to say to them like did you take a bath today did you eat breakfast you know did you and they may not even know they don't know those are not patients those are not people that are going to like oh i'm gonna go work at chipotle it and you wouldn't want them I love them to death, but it's not it's not going to happen. Yeah, they're beyond that. They're beyond that. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and of course, brothersonlaw.com. I kind of picture one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Right. No, bit. that's yeah, it. Yeah, with Nurse Ratchet at the helm. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. That could be Luck- bad. Yeah, asylum, that could be yeah. bad. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, now that was actually a psychiatric like hospital unit. Okay. So that's different. But in a asi- like the there used to be an asylum. I don't know if it was on the West LAVA campus, but it was close by. But they had like they would tend they had like a garden for them and they would like, you know, they had activities all day. Like these are those are the types like that. This is really what we need. Yeah. Like I'm a very big proponent of like, can we please bring asylums back? Yeah. Because guaranteed Twin Towers, which has which had or has actually one of the highest numbers of psychiatric people let's say in the country now they're actually building they got funding approved to actually build a separate psychiatric Mm. jail downtown yeah downtown psychiatric jails we don't need well or do we I mean, I think that we do but at the same time once those let's say someone's so psychotic that they committed a crime and they need to be treated they need they need to do their time but they also need to be treated. I used to work at Twin Towers. Like, we did really great work there. But once they're released, where are they going to go? Yeah. Sometimes the, the Twin Towers will just call us and be like, can you take this patient? I'm like, but that's not an Like, this person isn't sick enough to come yeah. to an acute psychiatric hospital that's not fair to the patient so in those cases yeah you need to go to an asylum like go hang out with your other friends go tend to the garden go to your you know go to your groups every day and like kick kick back like have fun because aren't we paying as a society we're paying the cost on the back end of this problem and it's a higher cost is it not it is we are so every time so Guaranteed, if we had an asylum, if we had asylums open the way that we used to, the homeless population would drop like overnight. Um, jails would not have to necessarily have as many psychiatrists in there because now there's some place for them to go to. But you and like I was saying with the patients that I typically treat, sometimes we just have to discharge them to shelters. It's their right the state of California says like if like a shelter is actually a viable place to stay but the shelters aren't um, schooled in in treating these type of patients or no no occupants. they're no they're not when I used to work on Skid Row um, on San Pedro and fifth there the mission was across the street from the clinic so it was nice and there was also another psychiatric clinic around the corner so that was nice but at the same time 
that's not appropriate. I had patients say, oh, well, I, I, I stay in a shelter and it's hard for me to sleep at night because someone next to me is, is talking to themselves because they hear voices because they're hallucinating. Mm. That's not appropriate. Like a shelter is a short term. Right. And a lot of times you have patients that are there for longer, but you also have patients that just are not being like looked after and that's really where I kind of come in and I've been trying to advocate like we need asylums mm. really so how badly. do we get there and and also where is it going to be because don't I think it's a natural uh, the fear. NIMBY effect right, right exactly right. don't have them near me but didn't right. we have Camarillo was Camarillo an asylum Camarillo um, Camarillo was a state hospital um, I know that it closed down a while ago. Some right. of my older patients said that they've been there. I don't remember if it was an asylum or not because that was a, like too far ago for me. Um, but where would they be? I mean, they could be. I guaranteed there are like there are asylum buildings that are still intact. They just need to be built up. Yeah. Well, Camarillo's yeah. still there. Camarillo's definitely <laughs> still there. It's a, right. it's a state college now instead of a state hospital. Right. But, yeah. Right. I mean, they could be. I mean, they could really logistically be anywhere. I know that a lot of times. Um, I, I read the news recently and patients, patients, sorry, people are really concerned about a homeless shelter being built in their neighborhood. Right, right. But I'm like, yeah, or you could have those people, you know, hanging out on your corner. That's true. So yeah. I, you know, and, going through your trash. Right. And, and those you know. places provide services. They provide, you know, health services. They provide social work services. Like you really do want that just there, even if it's down the street. And, and quite honestly, unfortunately, people still really do have a very bad perception of people who are homeless or mentally ill. I can say from experience, they are some of the most sweetest, grateful people I've ever met. And that's why I choose to work with them. We're Larry and Rob Mandel, the brothers-in-law, here on Go Country 105. Do you have a legal issue you need help with? We want to hear from you. Find us on Instagram and send us a message. Then tune in on Saturdays at 8 a.m. right here on Go Country 105. It's so heartbreaking to see that situation. And mm -hmm. so I've... When I talk to my colleagues about it, what can we do, to, you know, just to have people where they have some kind of, you know, basic needs taken care of than living on in a tent? I occasionally will take like a old bag that I have and just fill it with like just things that I know they need. Socks are very important because they walk a lot. Underwear is really important for women like um, sanitary supplies like tampons, pads. Some women, especially if they have children, will forego getting what they need to get diapers for their kids. Wow. And that's not exactly sanitary or just, you know, I mean, it's just a really bad feeling to know that you're like just a mess and you're able to take care of your kid. It's just very dehumanizing and yes. it's already dehumanizing enough to be homeless. So on a micro level, I think that we really need to just accept the fact that, look, these people are here. You thinking, passing judgment and scowling at them, mm. walking or by ignoring or, or ignoring them in your car, like that's not going to help the situation. So I think on a micro level, we could do that. And it, no one's saying that you have to have a long conversation. Just like here, you know, I th I thought that you could use this. That's on, sweet. Yeah, on a macro level, though, I think that societally, we really need to pressure, you know, politicians 
And just, I mean, just like how there was a lot of change a couple of years ago in terms of like senators who ran and some people got, um, you know, ousted. I just think that we really need to pressure politicians like we need asylums, like we really need the mental health funding. We do. We, you know, the the other thing that you're involved in is um, testifying in cases involving the uh, criminally insane. Can you just talk about that for a moment and then we'll move on to a couple of segments that we do on, on the show? Sure. I deal with uh, homeless, indigent uh, population a lot of times when they come to uh, Gateways Mental Hospital where I work. They are on 72-hour holds. Uh, in the California uh, penal code, it's 5150. That's right. So that's what that stands for. So the Van Halen album. That right, right, right. Um, and then after after those 72 hours are up, if a psychiatrist such as myself feels that they require more treatment because they're gravely disabled, meaning they cannot provide food, clothing or shelter for themselves or they're a danger to themselves or to others, then a 5250 or an additional 14 days can be authorized. Uh, then there's all. Then after that, there's a 30-day hold, and then after that, we can determine whether they may need to be conserved or not. Mm. I also deal with patients who, as a result of their crime, were found to be mentally incompetent to stand trial, and those patients oftentimes will go to a state mental hospital. Once they have completed their program and been found to understand the judicial process because they have to keep going to court, then they get released to what are called conditional release programs or CONREP programs. Some of those patients are very, because they, the crimes they committed were very scary and very serious. So you, and what, you what would be the most, And what would be the most egregious or horrifying thing you've seen in, in this kind of uh, setting? Um, there was a patient of mine who was married to a man, I want to say baby for 25, 30 years, but he was very abusive to her. Mm-hmm. And one day he decided he was going to get drunk and he was going to try to sexually assault her. Mm-hmm. And she shot him dead. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now. And she was thought to be insane? I was like, this woman's my hero. Yeah. yeah. I was like, this is great. But she she was depressed and psychotic at the time. I see. And so she had to go to a state mental hospital. Super sweet lady. But when I, like, really tiny, like, petite lady, so sweet. But she was just like, enough is enough. Like, I'm right. not doing this anymore. As far as things that are more egregious, um, I had a patient, very, very nice man, who basically decapitated his father because the voices told him to. Oh, my God. That's- yeah, but really sweet. Crazy. But that's after years and years of treatment and medications. And those patients have an incentive to have to take the medications to get better. Because if not, they, they'll they be in the mental hospital yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Now, can someone who's done a horrible crime like that be released after they take the medication yes. and they go, oh, wow. They can. They they, act, they actually can. Um, and honestly, some of those people, like you may not even, like you would not know, but they are so aware that what they did was wrong. And when you meet them now and we read what they actually did, it's so obvious that they were really sick at the time of the crime. Well, it's so interesting. I could talk to Dr. Walker yeah, all day great. long. This is great. Uh, So, yeah, we have a message in the Mandel message box. 
Now it's time to check the Mandel message box. Noreen emailed us. I live in a nice neighborhood. I live across the street from the ugliest house on the block. The landscape is full of weeds, etc. All the neighbors are fed fed up. And uh, someone told us we can uh, uh, call the police for what's called a welfare check. But how can I get them to spruce up their place to a presentable status? What if one of us wants to sell our properties? This is a big issue for us and our neighbors. Uh, Dr. Walker, what do you think? Can, can, can the police be called for a welfare check because someone's house is deteriorating and it, it's like the eyesore of the block? Well, there's two ways I can answer that. The first is to say, I mean, anyone can call for a wellness check. It really depends upon whether the police will deem that they should go out there. Right. Having a house in disrepair isn't necessarily enough, but if, for example, someone went and knocked on the door and let's say it may be a hoarding situation or the person who answers the door appears very malnourished, then that would be, you know, concern for a welfare check if they're, you know, animals and, you know, and not looking well, that would be cause for a wellness check. As I was saying before, grave disability is someone's inability to provide food, clothing or shelter for themselves. In this case, the person does have shelter. It's just an eyesore. So that's, you know, aesthetically, that's not really legal. Like legally, it's not holdable. Probably not enough. That's not enough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we do want to thank you, Imani Walker, for coming down here. Uh, yes. Can you tell our audience how they would get a hold of you or how, how does someone reach you if they feel that they need a psychiatrist like yourself? Sure. Um, so I can be reached primarily through my website. So uh, my name is Dr. Imani Walker. My website is is Dr. Imani. And so it's spelled out. So it's D O C. T-O-R hyphen I-M-A-N-I dot com. And if you go to the services section, you can uh, email me and I'll get right back to you. Perfect. And you're on Bravo I'm every on, Sunday? Yes, at- every Sunday, uh, Bravo Network, 9 p.m. on Married to Medicine, Los Angeles. Beautiful. Excellent. That's great. Rob, I think it's time to wrap it up. Yes, it is. We want to thank you for tuning in. Catch us next week right here on Go Country 105. And just remember, let the scales of justice tip in your favor. The opinions expressed in the Brothers on Law Show are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for personal professional legal advice.